Showcase Sundays today on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Sonic Speaks. Welcome to Sonic Speak Special Edition. I'm Jack Ward. Don't worry, folks. We have more Nightfall interviews coming up. You know, if I can, I like to be able to help out new audio drama. And this week, I have Ed Jowett from Shades of Vengeance at ShadesOfVengeance.com to talk about the audio drama Kickstarter they have. What's it all about? Well, let's get into it. Ed, thanks so much for coming into Sonic Speaks. When you spoke to me about having a conversation about some upcoming Kickstarter that you're working on, I started looking into your website and holy smokes, you guys are extremely creative. And I, for one, can really appreciate it. I'm an old time role playing gamer. And then, of course, I love I read comics and I play different card games. What got you started? Did you begin Shades of yes. Vengeance? How did that happen? Um, it's, it's a funny story, actually, because what happened is I played a lot of role playing games when I was at university. And I absolutely loved it. You know, I, I, I got to know new people and so on. And the hobby can be really great for someone who is maybe a little more shy, a little less outgoing. Um, I've learned a little more since then. And I'm, I'm much better at talking, people to, talking to people now than, than I was. But back then, you know, I was, I was quite shy. I was quite uh, enclosed. And it was actually a friend of mine who took me to, you know, said, okay, look, we're going. Right, we're going, we're going to try it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. And um, I, so I went the first week, and I enjoyed it enough that I went back the second week. And they were short of GMs in the second week, as every university club always is. So they were just like, hey, can anyone run a game? And I'm like, sure, fine. I've played exactly one time this game, but I'll run it anyway. <laughs> and it was paranoia. So I was quite well protected yeah. from anyone sort of screwing with me. Because you aren't allowed to know the rules in Paranoia. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the jokes about that game. Um, it's sort of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it is against the rules for the players to know the rules of the game. So, you know, no, no one could really <laughs> sort of screw with me while I was trying to uh, sort of run this game for the first time. And everyone was very generous and so on. And I became a regular GM for uh, the Indoor Gaming Society. And I eventually got involved in a project that we did every year it was called the 24-hour game and literally we would play for 24 hours right there'd be there'd be six four-hour sessions or three and a half to four hours and then you'd have like 15 minutes in between and it would go for literally 24 hours and um basically what happened was every year the the six gms sometimes even seven gms and would rotate so the GMs could rest. But the GMs, they would create their own universe. And I lucked out because I've always been a sci-fi guy. And the previous year had been a low fantasy game. So they were like, okay, we're going full on sci-fi here. Who has some suggestions? Now, I've actually been creating universes since I was about seven years old. Um, I absolutely love it. I love doing it. And I love being able to bring those universes to life. So what I did is I contributed a few alien races because they wanted some aliens. Um, I contributed some other bits and pieces to the world along with particularly one other, Adam Simmons, 
Um, and we we made a game. We ran the game. We ran the twenty four hour game, and then, sort of, not long afterwards, I left university, and. I, you know, I went and I worked and I was very boring for a couple of years and did very little of anything. And I decided one day, okay, you know what, look, I'm going to run a role-playing game because I miss doing that and it was fun. It was always fun and I want to do it. So I went ahead and I arranged a role-playing game with some people from work and some family and some friends and everyone just piled into my tiny little bed set and we, we ran some role-playing games. <laughs> And what I did is I actually resurrected that campaign that I'd worked so hard on back at university. And this group became Stiletto Unit, who are the group that are featured on the front and back cover of the Era of the Consortium rulebook. It, what happened is towards the end of the campaign, my brother said, hey, I'll run the next one if you want. And as a perpetual GM, I was like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Um, and, you know, he said, okay, so can you write down the rules for me? Because, you know, you're mostly doing them from... It was sort of a, a slightly bastardized Vampire the Masquerade at the time. Right. And my brother is a mathematician. So he sort of took a look, look at the rules that I wrote down and he said, ah, well, how about this? How about that? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And with some advice from him, some advice uh, from another friend and, and my own input, we came up with this, this rule set, this Era D10 rule set. Uh, which I diligently wrote up. We, we, in fact, did continue playing. He did, he did run some games. And um, when he finished his campaign, I resumed running games, and I was running games for several years. And what happened is, I, this rule set that I'd written down, I showed it to a friend of mine from when I used to play World of Warcraft. And I said, hey, I was just chatting to him. I said, hey, I wrote this thing. Do you want to see it? So I send it over, he looks at it and goes, Ed, I really think you should publish this. I think it's awesome. And because he said that, I was like, okay. okay. And that started <laughs> me off on this journey about eight years ago. Um, and wow. from there, you know, I, I built up here in the consortium and, and the thing that we're primarily here to talk about, A Titan's Rise, is based within that universe. Um... I yeah. I then kind of got to the end of Era of the Consortium. I published this 300-page book that had 450 years of history. The idea being not that you sit and read it all, but you dive in where you want to in the history to play any subgenre of sci-fi that you'd like. So, you know, if you're a, if you're a Star Trek guy, you sure. play in one particular place. Maybe you're a Star Wars guy, you play somewhere else. Uh, you like Starship Troopers, you want to blow up some right. bugs, you play here. Uh, you want to do, like, colonization of a new planet, you play here. And so on and so on and so on. You dip into the history where you want to go to have your subgenre. Um, so, Interesting. I'll be totally honest, it's not entirely made sense to everyone who's seen it. Um, I've had to do a lot of explaining. <laughs> um, one of the reasons there's a 5th anniversary definitive edition is to cover, kind of, okay, this is kind of what I meant and how you might do it in a way that I didn't do in the original rulebook eight years ago, five years later, three years ago now, um, I, I kind of went, okay, look, I'm going to rethink this. I'm going to re represent it in a way that people are going to be able to use it better. And since then, things have, things have gone very much better. Well, that's interesting because role-playing game books are probably the only one where it's almost required for new versions. 
because, you know, you take an idea, you test drive it, you run it for a couple of years, and you start finding all the areas where you're like, oh, that doesn't work that way. I have to change the way I do this particular thing, or I need to cover extra rules. So I would understand when people would say, well, great, a new version? This will help clear up some of the misunderstandings. So it's one of those things you can publish. It's not like a novel. Only your hardcore people would get the latest version with a couple of extra words or some slight changes. But a role-playing game, a lot of people are going to jump in. Unless they absolutely loved, you know, the previous version, uh, they're going to be interested. Yeah, I mean, and, and I should say, I've been writing games in this system for years and years now. There are actually 10 game lines of Era of the Consortium, oh, wow. not including one licensed game line that I did as well. So I guess 11. And every single one has its own sort of modular rules and so on. But each one, what it is, and the way I see it, is it's a doorway into a universe, right? You can step through and you can experience mm -hmm. that universe. And what happened next is... You know, I started creating role-playing games, including everything. It is 84 books, comics, and card games. In eight years. Well, yeah, and 83 of them were in six years. <laughs> You're a madman, Ed. You're a madman. I love it. <laughs> uh, it. It has been floated by people that know me, yeah. It's just pouring out of you, then. It, you're it's not like stuck it's at all. It's welling up my entire life. If that makes any sense, you know, I've for sure. I've always known that I needed to create worlds, and until I ran into tabletop role-playing games, I didn't know how to do it. I thought that I was going to write computer games, right. and my life didn't go that way. And I'm going to be totally honest; I don't think it would have happened in this kind of way if I had. You right. know, I'm, I might have got to do one, maybe. You know, it's it's very very competitive writing computer games, of course. For sure. So. With the role-playing games being a door, one of my guys came to me and said, Hey, Ed, I'm a comics writer, right? Uh, he'd been writing comics for literally decades. Longer than it had been legal for wow. him to have a paycheck, is the way he put it. Um, <laughs> and he said, Hey, Ed, um, you know, comics don't have to be about superheroes. Let's, let's do some comics uh, in the consortium universe. And we did, last time of Stiletto Unit, we did Counting Down from 1. I mention those by name because they'll come up in a, in a few minutes. And then I went, okay, you know what, John, let's make a superhero universe. You and I, let's make our own superhero universe. I can make a role-playing game, and then we can build on it with comics, and you can get to write comics about superheroes, which, okay, yes, comics can be about anything, but superheroes is actually his passion for comics. So, you know, you can do that. I can create mm -hmm. a superhero role-playing game. And that's where Era the Empowered came from, which is, you know, it's one of our more popular games. It's It's got a really good way of handling superpowers. I've been able to stat up every single superhero and supervillain I could think of, with one exception, um, <laughs> who is an absolute pain in the ass. And, as it happens, my favourite superhero, Martian Manhunter. Oh, okay. <laughs> he has too many powers. That's the problem. Too, yes, too wide you're a spread right. of powers. I understand why Superman calls him the most powerful being on the planet. So, sure. yeah, I mean, barring, barring that, I can pretty much stat anything uh, within the game very, very easily. I can do him, he's just a little more difficult. Uh, but, I mean, I can even do Galactus right. or, you know, Batman or wow. you name it. Everything from mortal human all the way up to sort of ridiculous cosmic being. So, you know, we made Era the Empowered and we started making these comics. So now we've got, uh, where are we up to? Six different lines of comics at the moment. And we've just right. finished artwork on a comic that's going to... It's going to lead into a team-up comic for some of our characters, uh, which is always that really exciting kind of, kind of thing. And for then, sure. 
you know, when when we saw that comics were a success, that's when Leo came to me. And Leo Kosh is going to feature quite heavily in this conversation. I believe you've actually spoken to him as well, Jack. That's right, yes. And Leo came to me and he said, okay, we did comics and it works. Can we do audio? And I said, yeah, sure, why not? At which point, you know, we started expanding into audio. And while we were working on audio, I was also working on card games and, and such to sort of bring those those new areas to life. But what this provides, what the comics provide, what the audio provide, if role-playing games are a door, audio and comics are two different windows with a telescopic view inside. You, right. In a way that you can't with role-playing games, you can zoom in on something and say, hey, this is an interesting moment and I want to examine it. And comics let you do one kind of examining because they let you look at things and go, okay, what does this look like? And that's one part, in my experience as a writer, that's one part of what does it feel like. The other part of what of course, does it feel yeah. like is what does it sound like? Because mm -hmm. you're never going to touch these worlds. That's just the way it is. You're also probably not going to smell them, barring scratch and sniff. <laughs> it's funny because I would argue that comics are probably one of the closest mediums that audio drama is to. Because comics, you can, in one panel, create a universe, in the next panel, explode it. And you can do the exact same thing in audio drama and probably the same amount of cost. If you start doing this in film, it becomes exponentially more expensive and difficult. All you need are great acting, great scripts, and great sound effects and music, and you've got a really good audio. So drama. it's funny you should say that because I mentioned Counting Down From One and Lost Stand of Slatter Unit earlier, what we've done, and, and also the Empowered comics, we've written all of these comics into audio dramas. Mm -hmm. So, you know, right. we, we have a tendency to kind of explode in various different directions when an opportunity comes up. So what happened is about, I don't know, a year and a half ago now, pre-COVID, we decided that we'd already recorded a Titan's Rise at this point. So we wrote and recorded a Titan's Rise almost two years ago now. It was December 2018. And we had already decided that we could do this. And we thought, okay, well, we'd like to see if we can find some more voice actors to sort of bolster the ranks and, and try and get some more people involved, some more talent. So we went to a convention uh, that we often go to anyway, and we did a panel about how to write, direct, and produce your own audio drama. That's Leo and I did that panel. Right. And at the end of that... Can I ask which convention yes, it was? it's Just MCM to... Comic-Con in London. Oh, okay. Uh, which Wonderful. is the biggest Comic-Con in, in the UK, as far as I know. And, uh, you know, we, we did this panel, and it was 200 people sat there, you know, at capacity, basically. And at the end of it, we said, okay, look, if you're a voice actor and you'd like to, you know, you'd like to work with us, come and see us afterwards. Like, our stand is here, or, you know, grab us as we walk off the stage kind of thing. We mm -hmm. kind of maybe expected five or six people. Uh, 25. <laughs> um, and I'd, I'd already written up Counting Down From One into, uh, into an audio drama at this point, thinking, okay, we'll do this. Right. And we got 25 people. And then we got a few more from online as well, who were also interested. And uh, we had the honour of uh, working with... Uh, Lawrence Masako X Simpson of Dragon Ball Abridged fame. Uh, right. He's the voice of Goku in that. And uh, he's actually, he's a friend of a friend. I've known him for years. 
amusingly, he video edited my very first Era the Consortium Kickstarter video. So I've oh, I've wow. known him for, for years and years. And, uh, you know, when he found out we were doing audio, he's like, Ed, Ed, I really want to do something. Let, let me do something. So, you know, we, we got to have him involved. We met Jennifer Hale at one of the MCM Comic Cons up north in Manchester. And she nice. got involved with, with one of our projects. Yeah, no, I mean, we... we we got a load of people involved. We we made a load of content, and then we hit an editing wall, right. um, because we had an editor, and um, unfortunately, uh, she was also the sound capture for uh, Titans Rise, and she right. did a great job. And then personal things came up. She wasn't able to complete the editing or even really begin it. She did part of episode one and then and then pulled out. So we actually redid it in the end, and. We found another editor, and she's also a composer, and she said, look, look, we could do this as it is now. We, we could do this, and it could be okay. Mm-hmm. But I can get access to a Foley studio for free if you can spare a day. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I actually have some experience in Foley because a friend of mine, when I was 18, I went over to the U.S., and um, my friend actually was a Foley mixer. So I actually got oh, okay. to do a little bit of Foley and watch for hours and hours on end as people did Foley for a professional uh, show. Sure. And, um, you know, so I, I said, okay, 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 I'm not, I'm not turning this down. This is too good an opportunity. We're doing it. And um, we, we went and I fell on the floor a lot and punched Gammon and... Um, I walked away with quite a lot of bruises, to say the least. For your uh, art. Oh, I, I, one of the things that my fellow actors in A Titan's Rise learned about me is I am quite method. Um, I am more than happy to punch myself very, very hard if that's what the script calls for. There is, in fact, an outtake. There's a clip. It's, it's in the Kickstarter as episode two, clip one. And it ends with the words, hey, bug boy, smack. Now, what I did is in the in the booth, I actually hit myself in the shoulder really, really hard to make that snap. That that was not a Foley record. That was recorded off the voice microphone, okay? And and there is an outtake. Like, I managed to hold off just long enough before I went, Ow! <laughs> um, which is just, just the best outtake. That's oh, great. dear. Many happy memories. Anyway, Zulian... Um, you know, she, we got the Foley sorted, we got everything sorted out, then her visa ran out and she had to go back to South Africa, and she had to get herself on her feet out in South Africa, and so on. And over this time, you know, two years has passed, while we've been sort of improving what we consider the minimum level of okay, mm-hmm. and then, you know, Zulian getting her, her issues sorted out, to be able to finish off and finish. And it was only in, sort of, July, when she came to me and said, Ed... It's ready. You know, it's it's done. It's ready. Let me send it to you. And obviously, we're, we'd had some back and forth in the meantime where I'd listened to it. I'm the director, as well as the writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we'd had some back and forth, and, and she'd sort of addressed all my, all my questions. She wrote custom music for nearly all of the scenes. Wow. Um, there's an original soundtrack available, and, and anyone who's listening, if you like music... And you like music like a like a proper soundtrack. You know, we're talking about two, three minute tracks for uh what, fifteen different scenes throughout part one of A Titan's Rise. Um and you know, we we have really 
delivered something that I am very, very proud of. And I think that the team has worked really hard to overcome some sort of very, very random difficulties. And we've been very lucky. You know, our, our team has been so lucky. And I always think that when I... And I think I always will when I look at the Titans Rise. Because we could have not been able to find an editor and it could have just sat on the shelf forever. Or, you know, we could have not found Zulian and Zulian could have been too busy to work with us and we wouldn't have had music. Or we could have had any number of a hundred things go wrong. And, yes, yeah, some of those things went wrong, but we worked through them and we worked through them as a team. And that's really the important thing if you're going to succeed in a project like this, I think. Absolutely. I... I... Love the idea. I've seen audio dramas turned into comics or, or similar products turned into comics. Did you end up deciding that one comic equaled one episode? And how many how many episodes did you end up making out of Titan's Rise? What's the running time? Right. So a Titan's Rise was actually written specially for audio. Um, oh, okay. There are several others. We've already run one on Kickstarter called Declaration. Right. The, the Bug, Bug War. War. That's the one. Uh, well, That's The right. Bug yeah. War number okay. one. Uh, there are three. Three bug gotcha. wars. They're all recorded. Oh, wow. Okay. One of them is undergoing editing at the moment with a new editor, and hopefully that turns out well. And then there's a third one as well. So what we've done is we've actually, when we got those 25 voice actors in, I very quickly sort of adapted a total of seven comics to be audio dramas. Okay. And this was still pre-COVID, so we were able to get people in. We've actually recorded all of those audio dramas. They're all recorded. We've got Foley for pretty much everything that you can record foley for in a foley studio you know like car engines maybe not but um you know pretty much right. everything you can record in a foley studio we've done gotcha you know we, we've done all the work for that and and we're just kind of on the editing precipice as it were trying to get them into a shape that i as the director am willing to say yes that's good enough and from what i understand from the feedback i've got from a variety of editors is i'm very picky um, I don't let things go. It, it's got to be really good quality. It's got to be something I can sit and listen to and enjoy, or there's no point in putting it out there because other people won't. That's always been my baseline of quality. Would I play this role-playing game, this card game? Would I read this comic? Would I pay money for this comic? You right. know, w would I listen to this audio drama and enjoy it? And that's always been my baseline because I genuinely believe that if I like it there will be other people out there who like it as well. I'm not that unique that my tastes are sure. completely different to everyone. Well, let's talk about audio drama mm. for a minute. So you wrote all this stuff before and, and then you found yourself writing audio drama scripts. Are you a fan of audio drama in the past? Did you have any that you listened to? Yeah, I am. I'm a particular fan of a lot of the BBC stuff. Some of that BBC stuff is really, really good. And in Absolutely. a past life, when I was a developer... Um, so I, I graduated with a computer science degree. In which school? If uh, I Durham University. Okay. Uh, which is up north in England for anyone who's who's not aware of English right. geography. Um, it's up near Newcastle. <laughs> Very good university for computer science. And I hated it. I hated every minute of being a code developer. Um, it just wasn't <laughs> for me. Um, I've since managed to move into project management for code developers. I happen to be good at that. It works very, very nicely for me. Um, and now maybe some pieces are sliding into place about how I can organize all of this stuff and, and get all of this stuff out the door so efficiently. But I used to sit there and listen to audio dramas while I was programming. 
um, because I, you know, I found myself able to do that very, very nicely. Um, you know, I listen, I would listen to pretty much any audiobooks I could find. I listened to, I've read most of the sci-fi greats, but, you know, I was able to revisit them listening to them while I was working. Um, so, you know, right. I did Asimov, I did, you know, uh, the, the Foundation, um, series. Right. I did Dune, I did, you know, all of the, sort of all of the classics that inspired me as a child. Um... And, you know, then uh, Sherlock Holmes. I absolutely love the BBC Sherlock Holmes audio dramas that they did. Not, not, the, not the stories read, but the actual right. dramatization of it. Certainly. And the other thing that I really, really got behind was a graphic audio. Do you know those guys? Yeah. I have long been a fan of Elizabeth Moon's work. I think it's fantastic. And they did a really, right. really good version of Vata's War and the Serrano Legacy, which are two of my favorite series mm -hmm. that she wrote. Oh, wonderful. And that got me into some of the other stuff that I'd never even heard of elsewhere. So, you know, I got interested in Outlanders. That was a very interesting kind of world and concept uh that i really enjoyed again as a sci-fi guy post-apocalypse it, it certainly mm -hmm. played into my post-apocalyptic world a little bit uh era survival and yeah i just i just kind of had that opportunity to sort of just just sit there and listen and enjoy these stories and i really think that particularly the graphic audio stuff and the bbc stuff was what gave me the baseline for what i'm willing to say is okay as an audio drama right because i never enjoyed the the red books quite so much i mean stephen fry harry potter for example, right. I never enjoyed that as much as I actually enjoyed reading the book. Right. But the the dramatizations I always found I did enjoy as much, and th that was really I would almost say that was surprising to me when I first realized. Did you have to sort of come up to speed when you actually decided that you wanted to write a script of it? Did you do some research beforehand, or do you feel like you just had enough experience that you thought you just jump right in and make the translation from comic because you started with that before you even tried a titan's rise as an original audio drama correct right? yeah i'd been writing role-playing games and i should say the way i the way i write role-playing games <laughs> i'm a bit of a heretic mm -hmm. and i i have no issue with being a bit of a heretic i think that you should follow your heart if you're creative and you should do something that you would want so the way that I write role-playing games is I explore the world through short stories. Sometimes, as in the case of Era of the Consortium, these follow a timeline along and just kind of draw you in. It was originally inspired by Frankenstein, the book. Okay. And you know how it's all diary entries and so on that yes. bring you into that moment of where they happen. So I thought, okay, look, and I worked with John, Jonathan Lewis, the comic writer I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And we sat down and we went, okay, look, why don't we do this timeline of 450 years as a sequence of short stories where we go okay so this is the event that happened and we write we write like a timeline entry oh this thing was invented and then we leap in and we follow the characters who made that happen and explore how they felt at that moment yeah. so almost half of the era of the consortium core rulebook is actually stories that i wrote it's very immersive that direction it is. isn't it as opposed to you can get very structural and sort of matter of fact point and click kind of style of role playing where you stick this here and you stick that there but if you start from a story, you can feel, you can taste, you can smell, you can get the entire idea in your head clear of what that universe is like. And and don't get me wrong, in the rule books, I've got the point and click stuff. Okay, you're on this world, this yes. is what it's like, you know, that's the quick reference. But if you sit there and you yeah, read you the Yeah, you go stories, back to that, right? As you say, you get the flavor 
of it rather than Mm -hmm. getting the facts. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that's just as important, but you only need to do it once, right? For sure. So I've been doing that for, before I started writing in Titans Rise, I've been doing that for six years. I'd been writing comics for about four years very actively and, and about five years in total. I felt like I was equipped to build something based on my writing experience combined with my experience of audio dramas because with comics it's always show don't tell and with audio dramas you can't do that because (laughs) if you don't say something if you don't make it clear explicitly what's going on you have nothing one of my favorite moments in the declaration bug war number one audio drama is a moment where i mean it's about maybe 15 seconds where the main character gets out of bed walks barefoot across the floor, steps into the shower, turns on the shower, and sighs in relief because the shower is manna from heaven because she's badly hungover. <laughs> and and right. that tells more of a story about the character. There's no dialogue. I mean, th- there's prior to that, right. there's dialogue, but there's no dialogue. There's no... I mean, there is literally a... <sighs> and that's yeah. it. That's the only vocal in the whole thing. But you know everything about that character instantly. It's a soundscape, it, right? It is. That you've it is. For that reason. And that's yeah. that mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and the way in which we try and do it, is why we actually call this branch of Shades of Vengeance Earscapes. Uh, because oh, okay. Leo is very, very big into soundscapes. The first audio project he did was actually to make soundscapes for one of the role-playing games called Era Silence. And in Era Silence, the players aren't allowed to speak. Well, mm. I mean, they're, they're allowed to speak out of character. They can't speak in character. Their characters sure. can't speak. Right. Um, so they can say, oh, I move over here. But you, you end right. up waving your arms around a lot. It, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> but right. the thing is that you're facing challenges and having some background soundscaping, one for each challenge, is what Leo went away to do. So he just went away and he, he made, these, made these soundscapes that you can sort of experience the game and have them playing. Interesting. Which was, it was entirely his idea. He said, hey, I, I want to give this a go. I was, sure, yeah, why, why not? You might have noticed that's usually my reaction when someone in my team comes to me and says, I want to do something creative. Of course. I, I think that's I mean, the only right attitude. I agree. And I, I remember my father was a principal. I remember him saying something similar when he said, you know, I wanted to make sure that whatever I, somebody came said they wanted to take something on. As long as it was safe, and yeah. as long as it was something I knew that it was that I knew about, why would you kill that enthusiasm? Exactly. And especially with creativity. You want them to love it. Because right. so many people struggle without ever being able to express their creativity in their entire life. You know, yes. I, I have friends who, they got to 28, and they'd always dreamed of writing a novel. It's it's a mother of five. And and I was cheering her along all the way. You know, I was, uh, I proofread the novel for her, I gave her my thoughts. Um, you know, she, she did a really good job, and she published her novel. And she's now working on, I think, her third or her fourth. I've lost track. But I mean, yeah, I, why why would you ever not want someone to have the opportunity? And that's why, you know, when 25 voice actors turned up and said, yeah, I'd love to do something, you know, I'd love to do some voice acting. How could I say no? You know, th- there's just no way that you can do that, in my opinion. And in the same way, right. um, we have a lot more audio coming because I went on Facebook and I said, hey, um... We're looking for a writer for a 10-episode podcast. 
Um, and I got 57 applicants. That's now, I, I couldn't obviously take on 57. Uh, that's too right. much for me to do realistically. But I did take on 10 of them. We're now mm-hmm. working on 10 audio drama podcasts, which I am sort of being the creative director for. I've got 10 writers. Um, I've got voice actors lined up to play all the parts. Um, we're, we're working through the writing, and they're in, they're, every writer's working at their own speed. So one of them's on episode 4 of 10. Uh, one of them is still working on the arc, you know, and, and everyone else sits so somewhere in between. Are these audio dramas? Are these so, as a podcast? Or so what these are, they? are, yeah, they're kind of narrative podcasts. And what we're doing is because of the world that we currently live in, and because arguably you could say I'm a bit of a control freak, um, <laughs> what we've decided to do is structure them so that it's basically one person with their microphone and then me listening in over Skype or Discord or, you know, what, whatever works. So we've come up with a whole bunch of different formats that suit whatever story we're doing. And, you know, our hope is that, you know, when we get to, uh, you know, when we get to next year and hopefully all this is cleared up, you know, we've got a vaccine and people can be around each other again. You know, season two of many of these podcasts will will include a lot more voice actors. Um, But we're not having any synchronous dialogue, basically. Uh, we can't rely on internet okay. connections in every case and, and so on. So what we're doing is, you know, we've we've got floating microphones with a guy alone in an escape pod. We've got uh, uh, an individual who is um, sort of sitting at her workplace. You know, she's kind of like an auditor. And she's sort of sitting there and she's allowed to record audio messages to her other half while she's sat there. You know, um, right. and, and, and sort of she's sort of working and interrupting herself while she's trying to do these audio messages as well. And that, that leads to a little bit of sort of lighthearted fun. Um, we've got one guy who's uh, like a radio. Uh, it's called Radio Free Tyrannus. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's, he's like, oh, we live in a cyberpunk universe and all the companies are trying to control you. You've got to do something about it. <laughs> Um, and right. he's sort of he's 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 sort of like this half conspiracy theorist and half actually all this stuff is definitely true because it's the cyberpunk dystopia. <laughs> it's gotcha. sort of like halfway between <laughs> the two, you know. So so are these all these represent different parts of the timeline that you have in your role playing games, or are these beyond? The story and the universe arc that you so got. it varies but they're all within somewhere within the timeline of the games so a titan's gotcha. rise is towards the end of era of the consortium okay. um i mentioned uh uh my brain's just gone i mentioned radio free tyrannus that is right at the end right like it's it's at gotcha. the end of the core rule book i should say which is 447 ce consortium era um and then uh, several of the other audio dramas, uh, the the podcasts that we're doing, are actually based a couple of years later, which is explored by some of the expansions to the original game, uh, for fifty CE. And then you know, not all of these are Era of the Consortium. So we've got an Era of the Empowered. Uh, one of these podcasts is an Era of the Empowered podcast, and that's exploring what I call Event Four of Seven. So it's sort of halfway through the okay. timeline. Most of the comics are based right at the beginning of the world of Era of the Empowered. Um, because they're like the origins of these particular heroes, so Blue Shift, Violet, and 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 Lacuna. Uh, they're they're right at the beginning of these hero stories, and that's 
that's therefore right at the beginning of the timeline. Right. We've got uh, some looking at Era of the Chosen, which is a horror game, which covers like a, a Dark Ages. Uh, actually, Dark Ages might be a bit far. A Renaissance, if you like. Uh, and then kind of a Victorian and then kind of a modern era. And we've got one in the, the Renaissance era and one in the modern era. Okay. And we've got, you know, I, I mean, I could go on forever, but you're gradually sure. getting the idea, I hope. We've got a lot of oh, stuff, yeah. and I am blessed to be surrounded by people who are as passionate about this as I am. You know, I, I love these universes. I've created them all because I love doing it. You know, you don't you don't create 10 universes because you hate it. You of create course, it because yeah. it gives you fulfillment. And for, for sure. me, I'm just about to launch another Kickstarter for another rulebook. Um, as mm -hmm. soon as I deliver the one that I'm currently finishing off. And that's going to be, you know, another post-apocalyptic one. I actually delivered this as a, as a small book, but I couldn't give all of the information I wanted to about the world, so I'm going to put out a Kickstarter for, for a larger book. Right. So yeah, I just, I, wow. I love it. I love doing it. The thing about writing comics or audio dramas or even card games in role-playing game worlds is there is no limit to the number of stories that you can tell. Everyone has their own story, and a role-playing game universe is designed to tell that story. Yes, it's the setting. It gives you all the the rules and the, the structure. Physical laws kind which, of thing, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like giving you a house that you get to decorate. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever exactly way it. you want. So you didn't tell me, though, how long A Titan's Rise is oh, the sorry, audio yes. drama. And I'm thrilled that we got into everything that we did. I, I forgot until recently. I'm looking at my notes and I went, oh, yes. How long is A Titan's Rise the audio drama? So A Titan's Rise, I can't give you an exact answer. And there's a very good reason that I will explain. It is around 1 hour and 15 minutes long. Now, the reason I can't explain is the credits have not been recorded at all yet. So sure. it is it is about an hour and 10 minutes long, give or take, with all of the episodes. With no credits, gotcha. which is what I currently have. I can't record the credits yet, because one of the things that we're offering on the Titans Rise Kickstarter is the ability to be a producer for one episode or even all of the episodes of A Titan's Rise. There are four episodes. Each one explores a different time period in the main character's history. So, Elliot Dragon is one of the most important characters in the consortium. He is the pivot on which many, many events turn, particularly towards the end of, of the timeline, you know, around that 446, 447 CE region that I was talking about right at the end of the core rulebook. And a lot of people have asked me how he reached that level of importance. It's one of the number one questions that I get asked because actually we play a session that's related to his actions when we do demonstrations at conventions. So we have like a 45 minute session right. that we show off and he is intrinsically involved in that session. And a lot of people ask me, oh, how did he get to be this important? How did just one guy get to make these decisions that led to this situation. And I thought, okay, look, Leo came to me and said, hey, I want to tell a story. I want it to be about a major character. And we had three options. And he and I sat down, we talked about it, and we decided that we would like to tell this story because this, this man is, he has so much tragedy in his life and he overcomes it every time. He is a fighter. He is a survivor who, literally against all odds, 
goes down but gets back up again every single time. And I think particularly right. in our current uh, sort of our current world situation, that's something that I need. Right. You know, that that's something yes, that's a story that I yeah. want to hear right now because I want to be inspired by people who don't just give up when hardship happens. Right. That's basically the call to the artist, right, is to inspire the next generation, the next group of people to help make the world a better place, especially science fiction, right? Good science fiction provides not just the ethics or the ethos of the characters, but great technology ideas to be able to help bring people out of bad just situations. Just at what sure. sci-fi has given us. I mean, something as simple as satellites and bouncing a signal right. off them, obviously that came from Arthur C. Clarke, very famously. Um, yes. And, you know, the, the the way in which sci-fi can inspire has always inspired me. I know that sounds a bit meta. <laughs> no. But it really true. has. It always has inspired me. And I think that when you see a world that it's not that dissimilar to ours, you know, the corporations, they really do influence everything in our world. I mean, that is that is the way it is in our world as well. You know, whether it's through lobbyists or whether For it's sure. whatever... They influence right. us every single day. And okay, yeah, the influence... Maybe maybe the curtain's drawn aside a little. But mm -hmm. this world, it's, it's not so far from ours. And what happens to Elliot throughout? You know, he begins by being separated from his parents. He's a child and he's separated from his parents. And it's for all of the right reasons. His parents are sending him away so that he has every opportunity in life. What more, what more could a right. parent do for their child? You know, and then right. later, you know, he, he fixes on a dream. He decides what he wants to do. And for various reasons, he's hindered in his progress towards it. And every time that he's blocked, every time that someone says, no, you don't, you don't get to do that, 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 that's not something you can do. He, he either pushes through that barrier and says, I'm doing it. I, I don't care what you say. Or he finds a way around it that works within the society. Right. And as I say, to me, that, that is an inspiring story, no matter... Uh, don't get me wrong, I don't entirely identify with Elliot. I might, I might play his voice, but he certainly makes mm -hmm. some decisions that I consider very questionable. Um, sure. But whenever he makes a decision... Someone else commented on this, uh, the writer of the original stories... So, Elliot's life was partially mapped out in the original core rulebook of Era the Consortium. And the writer, Amy right. Allwarden, um, she's great. I've worked with her on a number of projects, including, in fact, Radio Free Tyrannus. She writes, she's the writer for that. Oh, um, great. And I've worked with her many times. And she read over the script and she said, look, I don't agree. I don't even like Elliot very much, you know, as a person. Right, And I don't agree with some of the mm -hmm. things he does. But every time he makes a decision, you sit there and go, would I make that decision in that situation? And I think that, that is the core. Yes. That's the thing that makes a story work. Because it, it draws you in enough that you're asking that question. And that's important, right? So you can ask that question. Because coming to the better answers, or at least asking those questions, are things a lot of people have yeah. stopped doing, right? And have left it to somebody else. And it's really important for us to do it ourselves. And I like that. Now, I know we're starting to run out of time. And you've been very generous with your time. Please tell us about what you're looking for in A Titan's Rise. 
the Kickstarter, which is just going right now, isn't it? It is. It's active right now. As of recording, uh, we've got 12 days to go. Right. We have reached the funded goal, which is awesome. I mean, that's, that's great. But what this is about for me is not particularly about reaching the funded goal. It's about showing that we can put a story out into the world and showing everyone around the world who's interested in fresh perspectives on audio drama that we're worth we're worth sort of having a quick look at worth paying attention to and we have so much more coming it's all going to be fantastic uh you know as i've said i'm very picky if it's not good enough i i throw it back you know i say look no here 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 we need to make these changes we need to do this we need to tweak that that doesn't sound right i am you know, I'm precise down to the second, and I make sure that every single thing sounds right. And sure. I think that it's really important for us as a fledgling audio drama creator, podcast creator, whatever it is you want to call us. I think it's really important that we show, yes, that we can do it, but also that we start to show we're not in this for the money. Anyone who knows how long it takes to make an hour and 15 minutes of full cast audio drama with unique music and foley and you know all the rest of it anyone knows that 1500 pounds which comes to what just under two thousand dollars is nowhere near enough to do that we're doing this because it's something we love doing it's not about the money for us it's about getting a new story out into the world the the people who've worked on this project are being paid out of the profit from the kickstarter so I've become something of an expert at running Kickstarters over the years. This will actually, assuming it continues and, and is funded, it will actually be my 54th funded Kickstarter. I'm going to have to talk <laughs> offline about how you do it. Because I have no clue on how to do any of that, but I'd love to run some It's one of those so. things that you learn. You know, it's, mm -hmm. there is no magic bullet. You know, uh, there's right. no thing that just makes it work. It's hard work, it's effort, it's learning, and I would absolutely love to talk to you about it. One of the things I do is help people to run their Kickstarters. Right. Because, you know, as someone who's run 54, as someone who knows what they're doing and knows how to reach a point where you can get something for your work, I feel an obligation to help people, to advise them, to say, you know what, I really don't think that's going to work you might want to try this instead. And of course, it's that person's project. It's always that person's project and it's got to be up to them. Sure. But I love being able to help people make their dream a reality as much as I love making my own dreams a reality. That's fantastic. Ed. A lot of people will appreciate that. I think you have an obligation. I, I wouldn't call myself successful, I should say. But I think if you become successful in an area, you have an obligation to help others in that area impart your sure. knowledge such as it is i nearly said wisdom there Absolutely. but i think that's probably going a bit far <laughs> but for a titan's rise what i'm looking for is i'm looking to bring in an audience that are going to want to know more about what it is that we're doing you know a, a titan's rise right. 10 pounds that's uh, about 12 dollars 50 at the moment i think right for the hour and 15 minutes to me, that does not sound like a huge amount of money. I, I don't think we're ripping anyone off. No, sure. And I think that if we can show people this audio drama that is part one of two, by the way, there are four episodes here, but we do have four more as well. You know, we, we follow Excellent. Elliot up to sort of, there's a, there's a very definite break point in his life. 
<laughs> oh, anyone who listens to this and then listens to A Titan's Rise is going to get why I laughed just there. Um, there's a very definite break point in his life. I'm sticking with that joke. Okay. And once you pass the break point, that would be part two, the, the other four episodes that we're doing. And that extends right. all the way from about, oh, this goes up to about 420, this one. And then that extends all the way up to 450. In fact, I tell a lie. It extends to 452 CE, which is the furthest that we've ever shown anyone in the Consortium universe. It is a sneak peek oh, wow. to what's coming in the role-playing game, gotcha. in the comics. However we choose to do it, there is more story. Right. And to me, the Era of the Consortium game that everyone plays and loves is the first 500 years of history gotcha. i'm far from done <laughs> i'm sure you are i will wrap this up in a moment i just want to say do you know the title of the second part have you you've got a titan's rise did you call it something similar at the moment the, the working of... title is a titan's rise part two so it's, okay. it's not very inspiring <laughs> just at the minute <laughs> okay that's as long as it's not a titan's fall or something like that that would be pretty sad you for know that th reason. There, there would actually be some merit in calling it that. I, I, oh, okay. I, I think I'll stick with the Titans Rise Part 2 for now, at least. I'll wait until I hear the finals and make a decision. If you get a Titans Fall, then you could put me down as a, as a contributing editor. <laughs> so where can people find the Kickstarter, a Titans Rise, while it's still so, up? I hope that you'll be able to put this link in the show notes or whatever. But it's kickstarter.com slash projects slash Eriscapes slash a titan's rise a cyberpunk full cast audio drama it's a bit of a mouthful i'll be honest but you can search but they can go to shades of vengeance you, you can go to www.shadesofvengeance.com and it's right on yes. the front page it's it's staring you in the face right. you can also just search a titan's rise on kickstarter and it'll come up it'll be the top entry excellent so that that Perfect. should help as well wonderful and we could talk for another two or three hours and i'm certainly going to talk if we have a chance after with the conversation but thank you so much for introducing people who have no idea about this massive universe, this incredibly creative place that spans so many different creative venues and creative mediums. It's a real pleasure to meet you, Ed. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you for so coming. much for making the time for me on your show and Anyone who's listened to me ramble for an hour, thank you so much for listening to me ramble for an hour. Have a great night. Hello, I'm John Bell of Bells in the Bat Free. It's a comedy podcast. Fridays and every other Sunday. Well, anyway, back in episode five of Bells in the Bat Free, we introduced the cowlets, tiny little cows. Where did all these cats come from? They're not cats, they're cows, and they're heading toward the water cooler. Stop it before... Now you can display your love of these tiny cows with genuine cowlet t-shirts. You know what's really fun to do with these shirts? Get a whole bunch of people to buy them. Then you all gather together and run down the street. People will see these cowlets coming toward them and think it's a stampede. You think that would really work, Brad? Shh, I'm pushing for bulk sales here. You can also get cowlet mugs, 
clocks and other items. Just go to thebatfree.com and click on shop. This is a limited time offer. No, it's not. You just do not understand advertising, do you? Get your merchandise today with the official Cowlet design created by Jeff Music. Buying lots of them would bring music to my ears. Oh, stop. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.